Good evening and welcome to the Edu Futurist podcast. Uh, we're streaming live tonight. Uh, we, we don't normally do this. Normally we just go straight to the podcast platform, but we've got a very special guest with us this evening. So we decided to, to get on live and uh, make it a bit more interactive. Uh, so thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. Uh, but we are in the north of England. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, Ben, Steve, I know that our our guest tonight is is attracting uh, some of some listeners, some viewers who probably have never watched us or listened to us before. So we should probably introduce ourselves a bit, I think. Uh, so we're the Edge Futurists, and we are born out of the passion to change education. Okay, so we we kind of our whole purpose is around uh, an idea of revolution, and we believe that education systems around the world not not all of them but some of them probably need to go and undergo a revolution we're led to believe that education systems will evolve continuously so that our students our learners can can um, receive the best knowledge and the and learn the best skills that they need and and that will benefit society but it doesn't happen in every case uh, politics gets involved uh, lots of other factors get involved so we our whole purpose is uh, to try and showcase some amazing things that are happening in education by uh, exploring the future of education and uh, we are uh, dan ben and steve i'm dan uh, and i live in newcastle in the northeast of england and I'm currently a senior leader um, in secondary school education, um, looking after technology integration into education. I'm about to move and do that for a college group that um, encompasses uh, most of the northeast of England. So exciting stuff. Yeah, everybody. Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Ben Whitaker. Um, up until very, very recently, I was working in a college, so that's for 16 to 18-year-olds and some adult learners as well uh, in the northwest of England, the, the right side of the country. Um, and uh, uh, just just wind, always winding down. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Steve, because he's from the east side of the country. Um, and so uh, recently, I've stepped out and started doing a little bit of uh, contracting work with some technology companies looking at um, how they place themselves in education, particularly around the future of education. And uh, as Dan said, it's, it's really important to us to think about how we bridge business, art, economics, politics, and then bridge that into education. And what can we learn from that? So we have guests from all around the world and uh, from all, all different platforms, really, helping us to uh, helping us to shape our thinking and how, how do we then pass that on to teachers and, and 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 education leaders to think about what what they could do in the future yeah i'm stephen hope i am from yorkshire in the north of england on the right side of the country ben um i have 17 years as a teacher and a leader in education and then this week i started a new job as a ceo of a of an edtech company um that looks at um, cloud solutions and support um, around education and transformation for education providers across the UK and 20 countries globally. And yeah, I think the edge of futurists is around that sometimes the collective um, is more um, important than one person. Innovation is about a personal learning network and beyond that. And what we have to focus on is if the system is not working, we create a new system, change it, and a revolution is needed um, in many countries around the world, and this is why we started the podcast. We are really excited to to have our guest on tonight. That is another avenue and a different mechanism to what we normally have. You can hear the nervousness in my voice. I think because we're so excited. <laughs> yeah, we 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 explore the future of education, and we believe what the topics we're going to discuss tonight um, really are um, the future of education. I think the the whole 
um, area of NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency um, are are revolutionising um, some areas of the world at the moment. But um, it's it's going to permeate a bit deeper. We believe in the coming years, including education. So we're going to talk to our guest this evening about uh, the the impact that it could have. Um, so we're going to introduce our guest now. So uh, we are we are delighted to be joined by Sebastian, um, aka Lique. And he's probably going to tell me I've pronounced that wrong once he comes on. He is the CEO of Enter. Enter is a decentralized NFT marketplace connecting content creators, musicians, artists, and investors. Yeah, the Enter platform officially launched earlier this month after being in beta throughout June for early adopters. It's already become one of the most largest NFT marketplaces and recently featured in one of Norway's biggest newspapers. Yeah, the Enter platform is powered by the deflationary cryptocurrency token, uh, NFT Art. And the token already has nearly half a million holders and a market cap of $46 million. You can follow Sebastian on Twitter at Sebastian, Sebastian Luque3 and Enter at Enter NFT. Luque. Hey, guys. Good evening. I think you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, we tried. We tried. We tried. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why they did Thanks it? They kept me. me away from the pronunciation. I can't even pronounce my own name, so never mind yours, mate. So uh, Ben and Dan are doing a great job. Cheers to them. Well, you need the right person to the right job. That's how. You and that's why we right? gave it to Dan. He's always yeah. the right person for every job. Yes. So, uh, Lika, it's, it's fantastic to have you on, uh, joining us from Oslo in uh, in Norway. Um, I'm just. I, I said before before uh, we went live that, that that room is looking really really cool, and I'm just wondering is that is that is that bull sending some subliminal messages out there? <laughs> <laughs> I like subliminal messages. <laughs> uh, so we we're gonna and we've said this. We've said um, our audience. Um, are probably not going to know too much about NFTs, if anything at all. Uh, they've probably heard of cryptocurrencies from mainstream media, and so probably don't know a great deal there, and kind of the blockchain technology. You are a CEO uh, within a, an NFT um, enterprise. Uh, could could we start at kind of um, NFT 101, and let's let's jump in there. So for our audience, what what's, what is an NFT? Of course, yeah. Uh, an NFT is a non-fungible token, uh, but to... To have something to put that into context, I'll just quickly explain what a blockchain is. Uh, a blockchain is basically a way of a group of either people or uh, investors or interested parties to verify that the contents or that a sum of transactions is correct and that you can put this information in a ledger that will be uh, proof of said transactions. Uh, it's a simplified way, but basically means that you don't need one entity to confirm uh, or one entity to be in control of validating the information that you that you have in the ledger. Um, usually the best example is a bank. Uh, when you use money from your bank, that bank is responsible for all the transactions. And if something were to happen to that bank, then, well, you would be at risk. Uh, while a blockchain has the same security measures in a way by having either a concept of proof of work or proof of stake. I can explain those later if you want, but those are not that important for the, the NFT uh, part. But it's two ways of validating or making sure that the people validating uh, each block in the chain uh, is do, 
doing so truthfully. And the reason why I'm explaining this before NFTs is because for a, a token to be non-fungible and to be uh, like totally secure, you need to have a system where that token can reside uh, and stay secure. And if you just had this and it was in a regular bank, then you wouldn't be anywhere. That's what people do with bank boxes and proof of deeds and stuff like that for apartments. Uh, they put it in a bank box in the bank they trust the most. And yeah, that's how they keep it. But with the blockchain technology, uh, you can build a trustless system, which basically means you don't need to trust someone in the system as long as you can understand how the system works. And with NFTs, you can then make uh, things like uh, documents, uh, artworks, music into non-fungible tokens, which means proof of something that someone else cannot tamper with, basically. So when when you say that, when you make the artwork into an NFT, do you, do you mean that the that bit of blockchain is attached to that image or that audio file? How does that, is that it, what you mean? It depends a bit like what you do. Uh, for example, uh, with an artwork, you, you upload the image somewhere uh, and you tie the metadata to that image and the location of that image and the, the uploading of that image into uh, a token uh, and you own that token, uh, which means that you own the contents of the data basically. Uh, and that's why you have decentralized storage as well, because uh, then you can store these uh, files that you're actually making an NFT from uh, decentralized, and the token can prove that you own the thing or what exists in that location. So to just just on that, why do you think it's in, and, and this might, again, might send a one-on-one question, but why is it important to kind of decentralize that? Um, more is it is it the is it the fact that you were saying there about um rather than having one person is it the fact that it's a collective is that what makes it um tr- more trustworthy than 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 perhaps other 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 forms of ownership for me it's it's a bit about power and uh, the incentive of someone to have that power uh because uh, I, I like to use the example of of deeds to to property uh in less developed countries because that's where I see them like the most immediate impact. If you have a really troubled region where uh, governments change a lot, and uh, let's say you have saved for 20 years and you buy a house um, and uh, everything is in order, the deeds in the bank and you have signed the papers, but the next week some other government takes over and they just burn all the existing documents and claim that it's theirs, then you actually have no way of proving that you owned it. Um, and I think that having a decentralized way of storing uh, this type of information, uh, which is crucial that no one else can tamper with, because if you own it, you should be the only one that could change that ownership. Uh, at least that's my belief. Uh, and to some people, that's a bit of a radical belief, but I think that's common. Or Yeah, for me, that's common sense that if if you own something, no one else should be able to take it from you. Um and just to spin off a bit here, uh, imagine like cars in the future, because now people can steal cars, right? If they steal your keys, they they get your car. But if you have the most secure wallets in the future and the access to your things require you to actually 
verify through your wallet uh, that you have the NFT and you want to use it or that you own the car and you want to start it, uh, you could you could do a really big impact on on let's say the secondhand market <laughs> uh, and try actually prevent a lot of things that are popular stolen items to be stolen. Imagine your phone. If you cannot verify through an NFT or uh, somewhere in the blockchain that you own, that you bought the phone, that it, you the person bought the phone, then the phone shouldn't work. Like you could hardware program this in the future, making it impossible to actually activate things if without proof of ownership. That's it. That's so really I, cool, yeah, isn't it? it? Like yeah, it is. I, I'd yeah. never like the fact that an NFT might start a car one day. I'd never thought of. I'd never thought of that application. There are a lot of like the sky's the limit because now NFTs are like affiliated with art and music and and stuff you can buy. But to me, it's basically a, a decentralized way of proving you own something. And the way I see. Like technology developing and how expansive it is. One new technology leads to like three new, which leads to like nine new, which just pushes it. I I see that you could actually automate pretty much anything. Uh, like let's say the internet, people are posting images they don't own on social media. You could basically stop it. And like what every that big yeah. every big social media could just be like, no, you have to have the NFT to be able to post an image. And, and what that then does is then it kind of it, it makes it it um, levels a playing field, doesn't it? It makes it makes it fair. Yeah. It means that there's a level of I, I suppose there's a level of justice, and I, I know we'll get into some of that about you, the passion of the, of the team at Enter to to bring justice and to bring fairness around this. And it's it, 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 it's it's brilliant because I know that some organisations where you can like you say put images up or videos or music, and the person who created that who spent the blood, sweat, and tears to create that actually doesn't have any ownership of it and doesn't have any doesn't get any royalties or 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 it's very very poor in what they get in, in relation isn't it? it exactly and like the scope of the conversation today has to be very small because as you started the podcast most people don't know what an nft is even but i i think pushing it like a lot further into the future uh, allows people to start imagining oh this could be possible. Uh, and yeah, uh, like we talked about before we, uh, like on Monday when we had a small chat, like owning your education and owning your knowledge in a way that no one can disprove it. Like you can actually be uh who you say you are and you don't no one can take that away from you as long as you have achieved what you what you want like you could implement this into into anything and i especially in countries where they have less developed social structures and uh and uh, more volatility cuz who knows what happens with the education system suddenly your degree is gone and uh, like i have i ran a gas station a few years ago <laughs> and i had this amazing guy from afghanistan who worked nights and getting to know him, he was like, no, he had, uh, he was an engineer, uh, and he had, uh, he had a second degree as well. Been in school for nine years, uh, so two degrees. Came to Norway, they couldn't verify it, uh, so yeah, he had to work at a gas station. Like he was like, I, if I, if someone just asked me the questions, they would know I know everything. But they were like, no, we can't verify it. So, 
How bonkers, but it's so true. We see it. We yeah. we have um in 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 the organisation I used to work for, we had a large contingent of um, English as second language speakers, and and we couldn't verify. Or they were saying that the the qualifications that they had gained were not applicable in terms of the UK or Europe. And it's like, how how is that learning is learning? Surely it should yeah. be based on the qualification or the awarding body. Um, but I'd go back to what you said, and I think we've heard it here first. You are the Walt Disney of NFT and, and crypto. You are bringing it and making the, the imaginable, unimag- or the unimaginable ima- imaginable. You know, let's see like how far we can one. take it and let's build it. And you heard like it, that's that a one. quote that everybody needs to take and put on social media, that yeah. you are the Walt Disney of it. Uh, let's bring it to the masses and let's get the unimaginable imaginable, mate. Definitely. Thank you. We actually have uh, an, uh, an earlier Disney artist uh, on our platform, uh, Mulligan. Uh, so that's uh, fun. <laughs> That's cool. I doubt he would agree, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, let's uh, let's because because we I think we've we've almost done there what uh, like an overview of what we want to go into. Um, so I think let let's let's dive into kind of to to you really, and I think we can pull out a lot of the themes as we go along. So um, you you were saying just before we went live that you you've been with Enter uh, was it two months? Did you say? Yeah, uh, I joined uh, directly after. Like, if you if you look at the charts, w- right after the all time high when we were uh, down there, that's when I joined. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has. Uh, uh, it was that weekend that because I know the the founders and we talked a lot. And that weekend we we realized the potential of this uh, because that many people being interested in something in that short amount of time without anyone in their face about it. Uh, like we didn't do any, we, we had some YouTubers that uh, did some, not on our behalf, but that did their own videos like, uh, yeah, uh, moon tubers, we call them. <laughs> but uh, seeing so many people interested and aspired to the problem we were trying to solve, we were like, okay, we, we can scale this up. Yeah, I think I think we probably need to just like put the brakes on just a bit there because you talked about all time high. Um, yeah, I think there's there's the there'll, there'll be a lot of our audience not knowing what you mean by that because oh, we yeah. haven't really explained the the crypto side of the platform yet. Um, so could you just give us like a, a yeah, bit of an, an introduction that. to that? And this yeah. will make a lot of people happy because I think that's the most question I've been asked since I joined the project is to talk <laughs> about the token price. And I never do because that's not something that I can do anything about other than the company. But in this case, I can actually explain uh, what it is because uh, we want to um, transfer power back from from the people that now have it in creative departments like, uh, uh, yeah, big, big businesses and stuff back to the people that create. And uh, to do this in the best possible way without directly interfering with the transactions our founder, Kim Andre, had thought of uh, a way to use a deflationary tokenomic system, uh, which is a very advanced word, which basically means that every time you use the currency or the token that we have made, but we don't own, uh, to buy art or to invest or to, to do a certain part of it will be destroyed and a certain part of it will be redistributed to everyone. Okay, You, you the- said you, you made it, but you don't own yeah and that's quite important for us at least since our goal is to make something for other people not just for ourselves um 
when when you make a, a cryptocurrency like you have you can make a blockchain which is way more technically advanced than uh, than making a token or you can make a smart contract that acts as a currency that people can trade and use as a commodity and it's not uh, allowed to just make a security uh, for many reasons because uh, that would be crazy if it was allowed so you have to make something of utility so our utility is that we want to mimic the way art and investing in art has worked throughout history in a cryptocurrency uh, because you can more you can directly integrate in how that market works with the money that you use to buy stuff from that market. Um, and art has worked. I like to use Rembrandt as an example, uh, just because I remember his name. But let's say he made 1,900 pictures when he was uh, alive. And some people bought 200 of them, and there are now 19 left in uh, 2021. That scarcity and that um, reduction of the availability over time is one of the reasons why Rembrandt's paintings are so so amazing and so popular. Because yes, he was a talent, but he was a talent of many of that time. But he was a talent that that endured, but also had scarcity uh, in regards to uh, acquiring it. Uh, so we thought for digital artists that like if you're a digital artist you're you've basically had issues <laughs> making money since you started <laughs> unless you're uh, the world's greatest uh, it's so easy to plagiarize it's so easy to it's very hard to to verify yourself as i am the original creator uh, if you're not very technical and don't have a good social media presence um, and giving people a way to to not need to sell their art for as much money as possible now and having a way of the artist to, if they want to invest their time as investors do in their artwork, they can also profit of, of investing like investors have. And throughout history, only the people buying art has been able to invest in art, not the artists. Uh, so many of the world's most selling artists now, uh, well, they're not the richest. They're, they're investors, the ones that have been collecting the art. They are the richest. <laughs> the artist died 100 years ago and his family doesn't get anything. Uh, but with this system, you can actually, with the redistribution and the splitting of royalties we will have later, you can actually yeah, create a future for for your family as an artist and for yourself as an artist. And you can have a predictable life and contribute in a way that is not right here, right now, but more over time. And I think creative minds and having them being able to think more than three months ahead and more than the next bill, but have them think about the future. That's how we were, we're going to solve a lot of problems in the world. Yeah, so, I don't remember the question, but I hope I answered it. <laughs> so then I suppose... Why? Why do you then? Why do you need a currency? Why does it? Why do you? Why you created a currency, and yeah. uh, to, to kind of sell, uh, so that people could buy and sell art. Um, why? Why did you need to create your own currency then? Well, we want to s symbolize that fiat has been used up until cryptocurrency as the payment for everything, because it replaced trading, which it was an upgrade from.
And before cryptocurrency, we have not had the technology to actually replace fiat as great payment ways for other types of commodities. Uh, and I believe that's what we're in the midst of now, a revolution in like finding out, okay, we have this great technology now. We have a system that's trustless. We have a system where you don't need to, to stay active and verify something there. It can be done trustlessly on your behalf. Now we can actually make improvements into our society and into how how exchanging information or commodities or or value actually happens. Uh, what I find quite interesting about your your current your currency you're talking um, is that I guess with fiat, uh, a lot of fiat currencies, especially um, here in the UK and America, um, the the government will will produce more of it. So yeah. um, so there's there's a crisis and and especially what we're seeing at the moment kind of as we're hopefully coming out of covid and government's trying to kind of kickstart the economy or or essentially printing more money and putting it into the economy to to get things going and and we all know i think just basic um economics that it, it causes inflation but yeah. your your talking um is kind of doing the opposite do you want to go into a bit about how the that works yeah. in, in hyperdrive doing the opposite so right. uh Basically, uh, there is a 5% burn on every transaction on the blockchain. And that means that if you try to send me 90 pounds or 100 pounds, five of those pounds will be destroyed. There's also a 5% redistribution uh, on every transaction, which means that five of those pounds or five of the 100 will be redistributed to everyone on the holder list or that has that currency. And the destroyed currency, uh, it gets sent to a wallet, which is called dead, which means that it's dead. It, it doesn't work. It's no way to access it. There's no way to hack it. And seeing then as 5% gets redistributed and 5% gets burned, that 5% that gets redistributed will increase over time as to how much gets burned because the burn wallet is a part of the holder so now the math gets uh, like this is an education podcast. So probably someone will know the math, but uh, we it's now 67, soon 68% of the total supply that is burned, which means that 68% of those 5% will be burned. So basically around 8% or something of every transaction now gets destroyed. And there is no way in ever to create more tokens. Uh, that that's why also we don't own the contract because then we could be a central bank and we could be like, oh, we need tokens and we could just make more. But now and everything you do on the blockchain will reduce the circulating supply and will reduce the available amount. And that increases the value. When, yeah, in theory, when the demand increases, it increases in value. And that's how art has worked. Like patient people, they buy art from up and coming artists, they hold it for 30 years and then they sell it for millions because... There is no one else that has the art. They have everything, and they can. Uh... And just following your Twitter account, you have um, celebratory burns. Is that right? Where you, yeah, the different milestones. You, you guys burn some of it yourself. Yeah, like the idea uh, for us is that our development fund is supposed to have four percent of the total supply. Um, this means that we will get around zero point twenty five percent of each transaction in reflections without directly being part of the transaction. Uh, 
So when you buy something on our site, you're not buying it through us. You're buying it through a smart contract that is on the blockchain directly from the seller. Uh, and this is the only way that at least that we have been able to think of where you can actually have a decentralized marketplace uh, through people without transaction fees. Because if we were to take a fee, then we could change that fee. We could we could increase the fee. That's uh, clever. That's really yeah. clever. But, but really now clever. we have no way of doing that. So the rules that we set at the beginning are going to be there through the end of time. And yeah. a lot of more people are understanding that, oh, this is of like immense value. But a lot of people in crypto are very short-sighted. And uh, they need things to happen in one, three, six months. Uh, but what we're trying to change is how artists and creators have been treated through history. And that's going to take a bit more than six months. Yeah, but, I think uh, you've got a clash of worlds, haven't you? You've got, you've got <laughs> you guys who are trying to create a, uh, an actual usable platform for, for artists, for content creators. It's, it's the business. It's about solving um, an issue in the real world. Um, like any business, like any good business, um, underpinned there by the the token, the the crypto token. But then, on the other hand, you've we we live in a world where what Bitcoin's twelve years old. A lot of people got very rich off Bitcoin, and so now you see millions of people jumping in on 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 tokens on on new new cryptocurrencies, seeing it almost as a get rich quick scheme. And so, obviously, you guys. Uh, like you said before you joined the the project uh you reached an all-time high so ov obviously there's a group of investors out there who who bought in thinking well yes these are cheap i'll wait till the they're the <laughs> the value's gone up and then i can cash out and ka-ching here we go and so the, and then they've got that growing impatience because they because other other coins over recent years especially over the last two years like look, we look at ethereum um uh cardano that have, that have uh even uh even the the meme coins as well that are kind of going through the roof uh up until a couple of months ago of course where it seems to be going through a bit of a downturn at the moment but uh so you've got that clash of you guys wanting to do business wanting to develop a business and i think as well like you guys have been in business i mean i know you said the ideas and the development um uh from your founders uh, the ideas and, and everything's been generated for eight years but in reality, you guys have been in business a few months, and yeah. all of a sudden, people want you to be a a, a player on the world stage in terms yeah. of business. Um, <laughs> I, I told people from the start, it's not about if we get there; it's just when. And if you need me there tomorrow, that's not going to happen. But if you give me a few years, then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've got I, a question. It's funny as if, well. Like, if you did, you watch the Social Dilemma, the movie or the documentary on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Because that feedback loop that they talked about there—that's all I see in crypto. Like people, because they see some people getting rich on meme coins, they think that everyone's getting rich on meme coins, and they don't realize it's mostly the same people. <laughs> and uh, Dogcoin is my. Uh, my best example, because all the people that I know and that I've seen that got rich of it, they didn't invest in it six months ago. They invested in it like three, four years ago. <laughs> it's not, it, yeah, uh, the perspective of of the people based off input from social media is 
it's crazy. Like I get messages every day saying we're slow at developing. And I, like, I also get messages from people that have been in tech for four, 30, 40 years saying they've never seen a project develop so fast. Like I, I wonder where people get their information from because I, I agree everything can be done quicker, but yeah, uh, it, it's scary to see Twitter at least because there's so much misinformation going around and it's so easy to retweet something. You don't have any idea of <laughs> what it says, but yeah, it's exciting. Uh, just going back to the, the tokenomics before we move yeah. on, I guess it's, it's the obvious question and I think you've probably already answered it, I think, in terms of um how you guys with the developers wallets um earn your earn your money to keep the business running but i suppose a lot of people will be saying why did you make so many of them why didn't you why didn't you why didn't you make it scarce from the beginning well it's not how automated market makers work uh, it basically doesn't matter what uh, what amount you start at you could start at one it would just fractionize uh, <coughs> Because the automated market maker won't let you buy everything. So based on how much money you give it, it will give you a certain percentage. And based on how many people ask for uh, or try to buy it, they will give less and less of a percentage. So it's a percentage game. <clears throat> but the main reason is to stay off the fraction of numbers of Bitcoin as long as we can. Because Bitcoin now you own zero point zero 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 three Bitcoin mm -hmm. and that's like two thousand dollars or whatever <laughs> and uh, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so we know we will get there because yeah, uh, well, him, uh, Kim Andre has been in crypto for twelve years since the beginnings, so he knows exactly how everything works. Yeah. So by starting with an insanely high supply, it will take longer until we need to be on the fraction system, and it also. If people have patience and actually believe in the project, it really benefits people <laughs> if they, yeah, try to understand that. Yeah, it's coming. Your belief in this is coming across so strong. Like your passion for not well, not just your passion. Like there's your actual belief of where this can go. Almost like you're seeing um, a few years into the into the future and seeing what this could be. Um, is there a Exactly how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing though, is there is there some risk there? Is there is yeah. there is I know we're talking almost like NFTs are gonna be huge, that blockchain will um will keep growing and growing and, and mass adoption will happen in the next decade, for example. Is there any risk that this all this technology could just kind of fizzle a bit? And I'm I'm just I'm asking the question on behalf of, of people who are thinking maybe of getting more involved yeah. in, in this world. I totally just give me my screen tries to turn off here. Let's see. Uh, I think there's always risk with anything, but I think the risk here is more about time um, because you have so many projects working all the angles. Uh, it's like a stealth revolution uh, where the, the governments who would be against it actually mysteriously are trying to build their own solutions as well because they see the value. Uh, and I think there are so many decentralizing projects that will help empower people uh, that the people that don't want them, they won't have the, any idea until they're present enough to actually take the power. And the way to shut it down would be like, yeah, well, never say never, but it would be like shutting down the internet or <laughs> something like that, you know? Um, but 
I think time is is the big factor, and at, at least for us as a company and for me personally, don't just try to solve problems on the blockchain. They have to be better solutions than off-chain solutions. Uh, and I think that's a, a risk that a lot, I, I see a lot of projects that are really good at gaining attention, really in people's faces, but don't actually offer any major leap of value or major leap of uh, of and yeah the next step like the next technology they're just moving something from one place to the other and that is infectious because they're good at what they do like getting attention but it will ultimately lead to a lot of people feeling that blockchain didn't give the value they thought because someone that does a lot of marketing is telling you that this will add value to you and they believe it and then it comes and it doesn't add value. Um, so I think that's a risk that people should should look into. Like, is this actually a use case that couldn't have been done off chain and that will benefit people's lives on chain? And I, I love that, that you, you're talking about benefiting people's lives. Cause I think there's a, there's a, there's a wider purpose here, isn't there? This isn't, this isn't about, you and the founders making money and although because because it feels like you probably are clever enough and i've got enough technology to be able to do that in different ways it feels like yeah. what you're trying to do is give something back from an artist's point of view but also um you've, you use the phrase revolution and you're trying to revolutionize the way that this this works and it, it feels like there's a lot of it's, it's noble that um and Thank and but wh- 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 why is, why 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 bother? Because because the world is a selfish place, and so most people are looking out for themselves and trying to make as much money as they can in the easiest We're all way hippies, possible. Man, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. quickest simple, quick simple explanation. <laughs> but uh, like, no, the the fun part is all of us of the founders have like half of us are artists and half of us have in, interacted with artists in such a meaningful way that we know that, yeah, it looks on the images on Instagram like it's a luxurious life, but it's being treated like a shit and being treated, sorry about that, I don't know, being treated like really bad and being treated like a commodity when you're actually a human. And the way we built the system, like we could choose, when you make a smart contract, you can choose how many tokens you get in the development fund. And we see so many projects giving like 30% to the development fund, giving 20%, giving 25%. And we could do that too if you wanted to when we made it. But the reason we made 4% is because, well, the way we're going to build it and the way or our goals, we're going to make money anyway. Like we don't need to have 20% to to be a, a successful company. 4% to do it. It's just going to take longer until we have a lot of money. But that also means that artists and investors and collectors and people that use the platform and use what we're making, they're going to be the ones making money like directly proportionally to what they contribute. And what we should contribute is a ecosystem that has a lot of users because with a lot of users, that's how we make money. But the individual contributors, they can make money with just one buyer. And I think that's a fair way of distributing uh, the wealth in uh in uh when we're not the ones creating anything, so why should we have the most wealth? <laughs> yeah, and, and you mentioned time, patience in a in a in a society in a world that is quick fix. 
you want a suntan, you're going to sunbed or even inject or take a tablet. You want to go to the gym. Many people in society now don't, oh, sorry, want to be big, want to be ripped, want to be trim. You don't want to go to the gym and build it over time. You're taking a tablet or you're doing something in terms of how do we change that in terms of a society where we get back to the fundamentals of things take time, have patience. Rome wasn't built in a day. How do we do it when, when everybody's saying, but I want it now and I want it. And how do I get to that point where they want the injection? They want you to be the injection that they take to make them rich now and get involved. How do we change that as a culture? I feel blockchain is a really good example because uh, let's say just Bitcoin for an example. Every wave in which Bitcoin has rewarded people that have been patient, you have more people understanding that things take patience. And every time until this recent dog coin explosion, I feel there has been projects of value that have shown that if you invest and you invest time, then you get rewarded. And then we have this uh, meme storm now <laughs> that's really bad. But I, I feel that being the example and really just, yeah, like I get so, I talked with you about is that I get so many messages every day about the token price, like some people a lot of times during the day. And unless they get to experience, I, like I believe life is built of reference experiences. So if you have more references to something going one way, then you'll believe it. And these people, the way they act, they will never experience actually that investing time uh, into something and uh, believing in something over a period of time is of value because they don't, they don't try it. They don't make the attempt, but by doing the things that you are doing, like investing time to talk to people about ideas and showing that you can talk about something now and it happens in three years, like news, everything around us is like, but being the change, being part of the change and not bending to, okay, we need to do this now. Like, actually, no, actually, we want to do this in three years <laughs> and it's going to be really good. <laughs> uh, because every wave, a lot of people are going to, more people are going to join in, more people are going to have faith, and more people are going to have the experience that time and good research and good fundamentals equals value. But uh, yeah, it, some people, I uh, we have this guy called Taco Nena. Uh, he's a YouTuber, and um, he makes uh, some really interesting videos about like fighting FUD. Uh, and fair uncertainty and doubt in uh, in investing. And uh, he says that fudders lose their ability to read once they lose their fucking dollar. And I, I think that's uh, more true than that. You, you, you can be like, because people expect what they see on social media. They put their dollar in and they don't get it, but they still see people in this feedback loop getting it. So they feel it's something done to them something unjust is happening to them because everyone else is getting it. And I've never experienced that, but I would think you would get blind. Yeah. He's, uh, his videos are wild. Uh, yeah. I think, I, I think I sent one to, to, to Ben and Steve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. It is wild. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you're not a fan of, uh, of 
uh, colourful language. Probably not the best uh, videos, but uh, yeah, it, they're, they're good. They're good. Uh, it'd be good. Let's let's move on to to the actual platform because I feel like you and like you say, you you get you getting messages every day saying when's the, when's the price going to go? Up? When's the price going to go? Up? Let's. It's it's not about that, is it? It's about your your passion and the founder and 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 that core team that you have there. Uh, it's art is the passion, isn't it? And and so can you can we talk a bit about what you guys are doing for artists? I know we've touched on it, but let's let's go in depth because I think I think what you're doing in the art world is quite exciting. And as somebody who's not in the art world at all, uh, not I've never produced a bit of art in my life. Um, I I don't I probably I probably don't get how how much you guys are doing for artists. Um, so could you could you jump into that for us? Yeah. So. The idea that I talked about earlier about uh, our revenue being based on on transactions, that means basically that if we can engage uh, artists to create more, better, faster, and more engaging, and if we can engage uh, collectors to have a better experience in buying, better experience in collecting, trading, uh, we basically, we get further by using more and making more tools. And since that is the only way we can get further, that is the only way we can develop. Uh, And for artists having, let's say, uh, a manager, you know, if if the manager also is supposed to give you the tools and uh, probably all business people, they think uh, costs... uh, and they think, how much can I earn from this? And there's a fee on everything. And so basically, for being an artist today in different genres, you have to have so many services or so expensive services to get the tools you need to do the things you want to do that your profit just basically sinks. And once you've made the sale, well, then it stops. So your entire being is being pushed into being... Uh, creating more and more and selling more and more, not better and better or more special or more unique or, or it's, it's so tied to volume because that's, you have, you have only the first sale point to actually make money and you have all these costs. So, okay, more costs. I need to make more units and I know then there's more costs. Okay. Now I need to make more units and you have this feedback loop that it messes with creativity. Once you can, remove that feedback loop and say here you have all the tools in the world it's not going to cost you a thing to to create we're not going to take anything from you and all it costs is transaction fees on the blockchain to do the things that you need to do and that's like very small transaction fees on uh on binance smart chain which we are on Uh, which basically means artists can get the tools to to create to store they can in the future we're working on a collaboration project and the one we talked a bit about in regards to science and scientific journals, but for artists. So imagine an artist from Gambia, the Gambia and USA and England, they want to make a gallery together. They can digitally connect. They can choose their style. They can talk to each other. They can create uh, an online gallery and they can sell their art in the style they want. Uh, instead of having to partner with someone, having to do it physically, um, uh, and someone charging them a lot of money to do it. Okay, we'll we'll promote you, but then we'll take 20%. Why not build a system where the system uh, it benefits from doing stuff for people? <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, and since everything is based digitally, you can automate a lot of this in the future. Uh, so you can actually have like artists just signing up to uh, collaborate. It can create the site for them. Once they're done, they can hit promote. It can go out to the bots that promote it on the social medias. And then you can have the artist retweet or push it further. So we have the organic element as well. Um, so you, you can basically build world-class tools that you don't need to charge for because the use of the tools uh, on the platform is enough revenue to to make it worth it. Yeah, I think what I, I'm excited, <laughs> that decentralization element of that is, because it's interesting, when we were talking on Monday night, um, we were talking about how kind of the, the big PR stunts are the ones that, that people know about, like Sotheby's um, auctioning off NFTs. Um, yeah, I, oh, it just went, my mind just went blank. Uh, oh, but we're doing, like, I, I, that's so fun as well, like, because everything is so tied together. Uh, and because all of our revenue is going to be based off of, of tokens, so everything's trackable, right? Everything is done on the chain, so we can be 100% transparent of every cent that the company gets. Uh, we can do a percentage evaluation of it. So let's say in five years, when we're really big, uh, let's say we have an artist from Africa, an up-and-coming artist, uh, just started, and suddenly he reaches $10,000 in revenue uh, for our company. Uh, and we don't need to make $10,000 of an artist from Afri Africa. So we could then contact him automatically based on set parameters and say, well, now we feel we've made too much money off of you. Uh, we want to use half of it and help you promote yourself or something in your country. And then we can set that automatically up with a marketing firm. And you could build like what uh, uh, a label does for artists or what uh, a gallery does for artists. You can build this into an automated system so that as long as you contribute and as long as you use the system and you make money from the system, when the money the system makes money from you, it will help you further advance advance your career. Yeah, uh, but I think it's we want to create that feedback loop. It's instead of the negative feedback loop of social media, we're going to create a creative, positive feedback loop that just pushes innovation and helps people that think original thoughts and create original things reach the world. And that decentralization element of it means that, I guess it's not like we like we talked about early on in the show. It's not somebody at a at a big firm somewhere who's deciding which art goes on sale, deciding which art is up for auction. And I guess the the kind of the diversity of art um, will will get a chance to shine through. So the some some types of art that we've never even heard of by by people yeah. from all over the world and 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 that might not seem to be mainstream art but actually can can be given a platform here and because it's not somebody saying well actually that's no good to go on go on this auction or not but actually it's, exactly. it's given it's given people a voice who i guess maybe don't have a voice at the moment and th this is just with enter art imagine when we have enter art audio video photography and streaming and movies for example and you have these creative minds that just they now have a community to go to. We have our community on discord.gg slash enter. Uh, if you're a movie maker, okay, I need some music. Okay, this guy, I like his NFTs. Okay, I can integrate with that. And you find the people that you like, that you like the creative force of. You can do a project together 
across borders, you can sell this as an NFT and you can split the royalties so that every purchase of this NFT is split amongst the creators. And you can do this without ever having signed a contract or meeting each other. Um, like it, it removes so many hassles for people to start doing working together. And like now we've talked a lot about art, but uh, our conversation on Monday uh, about science, I think that's uh, uh, for me, uh, one of the big things about like decentralizing ownership, like decentralizing ownership of knowledge, uh, like scientific journals. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, weren't we, about yeah. how, about how ju- scientific journals where, where more scientific new discoveries and work is published are so expensive that it, you have to be part of a, a university or a large institution in, or, in order to get a subscription. And it, but we, we live in a world where not all the scientists are, work at universities. Some of the scientists are, are teenagers in their bedroom experimenting with things and, and, we we live in a world that's that's more open to that research, and we were talking about. Well, I, I think I mentioned there's there's a there's a famous site out there where somebody um, illegally copies all the journals and puts them on there for free for people, and and, and a lot of government governments have now gotten wise to that and are starting to shut this shut this website down um, and essentially closing off a channel to to new scientific discoveries and research. Um, so what? what nfts could do in that field could could re- could really um push that into the the open space i guess yeah uh but then I but think... then the, the problem with that then is that whole concept around from an art point of similar kind as an art point of view is that some people become uh who have who have like big pharma or some of these other big big scientific discovery companies? They lose out here, don't they? If they don't have ownership and they don't have kind of control, and that's what they that's you what still have. That, that's the interesting part because you can, like, you can use blockchain technology to allow first of all scientists to work together, and they can publish and update their work while having ownership or proof that they are the ones that come up with the information. But the further potential layers of it is like bringing DeFi and uh, research and development into the mix. And as we talked a bit about on Monday, like in the future, you could potentially have scientific staking pools where big pharma, the reason they're big is because they have enough money to actually start funding big research that makes them bigger. But what if good uh, scientists have the possibility to create scientific staking pools where they can actually get the big money themselves and they can have the ownership and big pharma can do the same. They can just fill up the pool with their own money and they can still own the ownership and they can also benefit from, from the the revolution. And I think that's the fun part about blockchain because both parties get the benefits at the same time, but at a certain point, there's no, not going to be much of a need for the big party because if all the features are available for the individual human as well as the big companies, then after 25, 30, 40 years, why do we want to give it to the big companies when we could do it together? Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> you have to dream big, you know? <laughs> I guess we've, we've spent like, we've spent the best part of an hour there kind of, getting into all of that um yeah. uh, but we, we should probably talk a bit about how how where we see this integrating into education because that's kind of it's, it's yeah. 
it's the purpose of the podcast, I guess, and it's <laughs> it's it's what we're it's what we're into. And um, I guess when I when I first come across NFTs, um, not so long ago, uh, immediately started thinking of some of the possibilities here for for kind of um, firstly for verification. Um, so yeah. for for institutions that offer qualifications that off that um and i know we've we've talked on the podcast a lot about um kind of digi portfolios so so a way for students as they're going through kind of their educational life uh, and into the world of work can kind of collect their skills almost um, yeah. uh, very much in the uk at the moment it's kind of we have um end point exams so you you leave school at 16 you do some exams you leave um college at, at 18 you have some exams you you maybe go on to university you get a degree and then you're taking around these certificates with that actually most businesses aren't that interested in um they want to know what you can do what your experience is uh what you what you, you your skills are and we we kind of this this is our bag really in terms of looking into kind of the 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 future of the working world and the skills that are going to be needed like um collaboration communication critical thinking problem solving and how do you verify that i guess so my immediate thought was um a kind of a, a digi portfolio built on this technology that can be verified and it's not just yeah. some learner typing in i've got this skill um it, but it's actually verified by 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 their experience and by 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 their by maybe an institution or or like um yeah i think there's there's so many ways we could take this conversation right now um but i know you've got some <laughs> ideas of of your own haven't you in terms of kind of the the ownership of of i know we were talking on monday but you're talking about the ownership of tutorials and the ownership of yeah. of content as well well i think you made a, a good point as well uh, about like verification because that's a big part of blockchain right uh, uh, if you just make a blockchain uh, certificate, but the institutions have to verify it, then you're basically, as we talked about before, you're just adding the same feature to the blockchain. And you would need that to get people firstly interested in it and firstly like grasping it. But I think the proof of stake model is very interesting uh, in a way that where you reward uh, the people that verify or the groups or the nodes that verify something but you also punish them if they verify something of ill uh, that's not real. So instead okay. of having Go. one institution verifying that your qualifications are real, if internationally we can create uh, like a standard of method or data that people submit uh, in regards to knowing something or in regards to proving that someone else has taught something to you uh, and you have a system that's built around proof of stake, it's going to take a lot while to explain proof of stake, so I uh, suggest people Google proof of stake because it's very interesting. But um, then you would have a system that basically incentivizes truthful judgment and truthful evaluation of people because if you make a false uh, verification, you get punished. And you can monetize this, so you can actually have validators internationally because education is profitable. <laughs> and the world has shown that. So instead of having that profit, uh, the big investors that buy schools and try to uh, make that too efficient, or, or you can actually have validators that validate that people know something uh, in a model that is trustless again, because the incentive is there to only have people 
that actually know it verified. And if you verify someone that doesn't know what they should, then you get punished. So it's, uh, but the, the other thing that we talked about, which I thought was interesting is the, yeah, well, undeniable proof of knowledge is one thing, but you can automate recruitment, you know, um, you you can, if all your skills are in NF or are available into the public and they have been verified so that they are actually true. I can recruit someone from all over the world without them having to apply for a job because if they register uh, in a decentralized platform that they are interested in a job without applying, they can just, every time they get a new skill, they don't have to update anything. As long as their personality is connected to that place, they're available. So you could basically find people with the exact skills you need and the exact knowledge you need and you can then send them a uh, query, like, hey, uh, I need you for a project, or hey, uh, you have these skills, could we grab a talk? And for workers is one thing, but I, I think science is, is the big thing here that will give us the leap. Because, you know, having scientists just being able to pick scientists based off of knowledge without having to know their names or knowing where they are or what universities just know that the information on this place is validated. And if it says he knows it, he knows it. So like a, like a competency-based framework to demonstrate yeah. over a period of time, the experts, whoever they are, or a collection of the community globally have identified yeah. that they are competent in, the, in, the, in their field or variety of field skills. That's really powerful. And I know there's bits of work at a very low level in Germany in terms of competency-based um, tap, rather than, don't know how it works uh, in the Scandies, but in the UK, to demonstrate competency, what you have to do is you have to write about it. And that's yeah. so up-to-date, isn't it? So how can we change that? And I think this is so powerful, the revolution of competency-based frameworks in MNFT and verified on the platform like this, with yeah. which, which is owned by the individual rather than... And, and just to go back as well, you talked about education and people making money. That when you have, when you move from one organization to another, an awarding body who has certified your qualification, they can charge for somebody else to get that, even you. Hmm. How mad is that? that? So you've done something four years ago. I've lost a certificate. If you want, if you want to prove that you've done it, even though you've you've already paid once, you can pay again for a certificate. But hmm. I've done it. It's my knowledge, not yours. And again. Transferring that to the ownership and the people is so powerful and will change it because it's it's broken and it needs changing. It's broken. And I, like if we dream for a minute, like let's say we dream 30, 30 years in the future, I don't see people working at a comp- in a company. I see people doing tasks. I see people doing tasks based on what they know and being able to do tasks when they need to do tasks or when people need them to do tasks. Uh, and having a system which is not under anyone's control, but where all the people in the world are available. And if you need someone to program this, or if you need a repair of that, or if you need this produced, only the people that have those skills or the companies that have those skills or, yeah, those will be available to you. And you can just, yeah, order specific things as you need. Because in 30 years, a lot of the world's going to be automated, and to live in the illusion that we're all going to have full-time jobs doing one thing all day, uh, it's not probably going to happen. 
But what I what engages me is to think that, okay, but maybe we can use all our knowledge in the future. You can actually spend your days not to, just doing one thing, but anything that you can do, you can actually contribute with. And I think that will create a much more positive and evolving world where you're not, I see so many unhappy people working somewhere so long because they need the stability, they need, they know they can do that task, but what they're really good at is planting flowers in the garden or whatever they want to do. And because of the expectation of, well, I need this many hours and then I have to do this and I need this uh, education. Well, if you can prove that you have the skills to take care of those types of flowers and people want to pay you to take care of those types of flowers, they should be able to do that. You shouldn't have to go through all the hoops of everything else as long as you have the verification that you can perform a task. Yeah, and I know um, when we talked and and prior to the the start of the podcast, we talked about uh, your experience, education, and the the fact that you were tapped up and worked and brought into work before you finished. And I think that's one thing that currently the environment is you have to spend a, a, a year's experience a finite uh, year's experience to, to to be able to get a job completely gets rid of it because yeah. what's to say an 11 year old a 15 year old a 20 year old experience can be bad and be good if you can demonstrate it doesn't make any difference how old you are that's transferable and i think it completely and, and you, changes that and you know what's really interesting as well that's not just um like from a technical skill set there as well because i'm thinking i've got um i've got a seven-year-old daughter uh, a 10-year-old daughter and I had a conversation with her teacher yesterday of the seven-year-old and um, they said, oh, she's she's uh, exceeding expectation in everything. She's flying. She's doing really well. I said, so what's next for her then? What are you doing with her? And they looked at me like I was stupid because I was saying to him, I was saying, obviously, have you have you put her onto like year three's work or the next next year group work? Oh, no, 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 they can't do that. I said, why? Because then she said, well, what, what, what will they do in year three then? And and it made me think. Actually, we've we've saw pigeonholed children and say this is what you need to learn in this time frame, and therefore, if you if you are somehow um, got an ability to, to to develop beyond that, then then we need to control you and we need to keep it this way because then mm. then ultimately you're going to do your GCSEs early, your A levels early, you're going to go to university. All these things then just get messy, don't they? It's just it's just bonkers, and this this kind You're of ruin your life. <laughs> it, but it brings it it brings a whole sense of um, yeah. d- a development of individuals and individuals care, but also a collective, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it kind of builds on. I know we our last our last podcast. If you if you're on the podcast channel, the one before it with Josh Dan, um, who was the co-founder of Elon Musk's SpaceX school uh, at Astra, and it's kind of how they worked, wasn't it, Ben? Like the, they they didn't have they call the we call them year groups. They call them grades over in America. They didn't. They didn't come in and put them in a year group. And and they and when you hear Elon Musk talk about that, um, and Josh was talking about it when we, we we chatted to him that that it's almost discrimination really to a certain level to say right you're that age, so that's all you can do. Um, and we wouldn't do that kind of when someone's an adult. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't say what well, you're only twenty six. Well, you can't you can't be doing something that a thirty five year old can do. Uh, it. it and I Some guess that Some people try. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's been—it's to be honest, they've been—they've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. And it's 
and but I guess that's where that verification of skills. I mean, we talk. I mean, I know we're talking about kind of the leaving of education and going into the world of work. But why not down at that lower level? Why not down at the the primary education level of of well of building up those those verifications now? Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't say why not in the next in the next decade. And imagine, like for for a kid, like if you're different, no matter if you're better or worse, you're gonna feel bad. At least that's my experience from from trying to actually figure this out. Because I've uh, I've just recently, or two and a half years ago, I became a dad myself, and I watched all the documentaries I could about education, and I'm I'm scared for it. <laughs> like I don't want her to go to regular school in Norway because you get evaluated based only on your results, not on the work you did, not on the effort you made, not on how you thought, not on how you engaged people, not on your creative thinking, just if you got the final answer. And with increased amount of kids in each class, you're going to get less and less attention. And basically, uh, you're just going to envy the people that get attention, who get the final answer right. Uh, most of them are going to be cheaters. At least that's what it was when I was in school. A lot of people that got a lot of good answers, they <laughs> looked at uh, someone else. And the, the process gets forgotten. The, the the way of learning, like watching my daughter just run around learning things. If I judge her just on her ability to jump, well, how does she learn to jump from other stuff? How How does she find that interesting if I'm just happy with her result all the time? But like encouraging the road there and how they express themselves, but you you can't have twenty two or thirty kids per teacher if you want to do something of value. <laughs> like uh, personally, uh, like I believe uh, universities could probably be bigger and have have less long talks, more individual studies, and like uh, schools for kids should be like one teacher for three kids or something <laughs> because they need the, they need to be able to express themselves not to be like i feel we're, you were in on it like being told this is the box you're going to fit in and if you don't learn in this uh, tempo either faster or slower well this is the box there's no other box <laughs> yeah it's a, uh, a there was a there was someone on twitter uh, in America, uh, I noticed the other day tweeting about, they said something like 10 years ago, uh, if you didn't send your child into mainstream education, people kind of looked at you funny and went, what, you're not, you're not sending your child into mainstream education? And, and they were saying in 10 years' time, it, it's going to be flipped. People are going to be saying, what, you send your kids into mainstream yeah. education? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. That's, it's, quite a simpl- it's quite a simplistic thing, but I, I think there's a lot more um, innovation going on in education now uh, that we're seeing around so. the world, and and I, and just to go back to to that last podcast that we did as well with Josh Dan, they they've yeah, created something called the synth- synthesis school, where any child um, across the world can can join it and and be doing problem solving skills with other other kids around the world, um, and it's I think we're going to see more and more things like that, and and I yeah. guess the the tech the the NFT the technology the the smart certificate side of it uh, could be the almost the 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 uh, the structure beneath it really yeah yeah imagine like uh, we talked about before coming from an, uh, another country uh, uh, let's say of part of a humanitarian project. And actually, everything that you you do is tied to you. Like, no one can take that from you when you get back or no one can 
can disrupt, like take away. You said you don't have to buy the certificate again because it's there. <laughs> uh, and I think that's, yeah. But I, I think like, as we mentioned before, with internet NFTs now, it's it's up to companies, not just us, but companies like ours and people that are really putting their time into the tech to define where we go first. And I think, yeah, I going to the countries where people really struggle with ownership uh, is a way of showing the value. And then we can go to, to our countries and add the value into the institutions or in, into the system. Well, it, it, that it ties nicely into where I thought we could, we could go in, in terms of, I know that you've talked about InterArt and then you've, you've kind of hinted at the, the next, next iterations will be about, about music and, and movies and streaming and all that kind of stuff. But I know that in your, um, what, one of the things that you, you talked about, and it'd be worth if we could do both at some point, you're talking about InterX as a, as, yeah. as a concept, but then also talking to us about the, the charity projects that you're wanting to do and how, yeah. how that goes back. They'd be, they'd be great just to kind of get us into that. Of course. So the charity uh, part is, uh, it's a multi-layer with everything we do. It's multiple layers. But we want to do our own charity projects, and I have uh, one really fun one tied to education that I'll mention in a bit. But we also want to really make it simple for artists around the world to tie part of their royalties to uh, a charity. So as long as that charity has a, a public wallet address, uh, which they can receive uh, transactions, uh, then they can actually collaborate with artists and the artists can choose themselves. Where do I want my money to go? Which charity? Uh, and um, having this baked into the option for artists, like so many artists I've talked to, they have these passion projects. They have these small local charities that they support. They have so many things happening and doing something with them requires you rent a venue. You have to have like food. You, you increase the expenses and you basically you limit your time into making an event. You can probably do one a month without tiring yourself, uh, but giving them an option to actually create an artwork a week for uh, like make a charity collection. Uh, like there's so many options, but in regards to one of our own fantasy charity projects is ex exactly make a school uh, into the creative arts. Uh, like go into countries where, where child labor is a big issue and give them an option. Like instead of sending your child to work at a factory, you can send them to or her to, to a school where they learn how to create creative arts. They learn how to create uh, digital arts. They can learn tech. Uh, they can learn from the people that are contributing to the platform and they can sell what they make uh, while the kid owns everything because it's their personal ownership. And the funds can be locked until they get out of school. So they can actually build their future by getting an education. Um, and you can, like I talked with you, uh, then, uh, I, you can theoretically then like produce people that have experienced uh, love, that have experienced getting taught something without measuring the result, and that has experienced getting uh, help from the world. And the, th those kinds of people I want more of in the world. I, I don't see those kinds of people being 
uh, made efficiently by the the society. Uh, it's usually the opposite. And you could actually compete with the factories that use child labor by giving them a better way to make money that doesn't induce labor, that's fun, and that's beneficial for them and the community, and that adds knowledge and value to the world. I love that idea, um, That the fact that we this technology can can pull people out of poverty uh it's that's i think that's the revolutionary stuff isn't it that's the yeah. i think the the fact that they've given the voice to the voiceless and enabling people to pull themselves out of poverty uh, in less and more unfortunate parts of the world um and if if you guys can can do just just tiny thing towards that then then that's I'm, a goal. I'm behind you yeah and we wouldn't have to like we wouldn't have to yeah charge anything for anything because everything is tied to that again tokenomics and uh, and creating this this way of of representing art uh and imagine i don't i cannot imagine any respected artist in the world that wouldn't want to go to a school and teach kids how to make something and then make a big drop with those kids and give that money to those kids I, I I think that's what artists are trying to do already, but so much money is getting wasted on marketing, on PR, on 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 so many people that don't need to get the money. The kids they need to get the money. That's the the schools, the the future of the world. That's where the money needs to go. And I I know for a fact that a lot of artists I've talked to are like so excited to being able to do like global stuff without global spending you know you don't have to buy uh, uh, ads in nine different countries and uh, 20 airplane tickets and have uh, your entourage of 40 people to come and take pictures you can just go there teach kids make something and sell it and you can have fun while doing it uh, I, I think you know it, I, I think that could be for every for every learner though couldn't it we talk yeah. again one of the Anything. one of the one of the big topics we talk about on this podcast is students having a, an authentic audience. So again, we're used to that. We used to, I don't know about, about yourself, uh, Lickie, but when we, when you're in school, you produce work, it gets, it gets stuck into a book or you write it into a book or you, and it goes on a shelf. The teacher comes along, marks the book, goes back on the shelf. The end of the year, um, everyone gets to take their books home and they go in the bin. Like yeah. that's, that's, so all all of that work. That's a summary of that. We we were having like I, I work in a school and we were having that discussion today about what how we, how how we're gonna um, give the books to the kids at the end of the year to take to take home because it, it's the end of the academic year next next week, and all of that work that 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 happened there. Why 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 not give the students the learners the the ability to to do something with it to they own that that is their authentic yeah. work it doesn't matter if they're three year old in in a preschool nursery or if they're eighteen year old and um, creating a masterpiece on an A levels art course they they own that work so why not give them the agency to be able to do something with it to be able to 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 sell it um, to be able to to put it to contribute to their family like we i i, I work in a school where the where a lot of our students um we it's it's not it's not it's not a wealthy area um not not by any stretch of the imagination and the the students are producing work and some of them producing some phenomenal work as well um that why not give them the ability to have ownership of that and 
and sell it if they want to sell it or or share ownership with it and get something back for that i think they they if if we were able to give our learners that that kind of ownership over their work then that that's another area that really excites me and and like now just to just to again imagine the future because the conversation we are having now which is like it's a very uh, progressive conversation, but we're all thinking, what if they had this option? What if they have this option? Imagine having this conversation again when they have the option, because now we're all limited or it stops to what if this, and then we're trying to think of the possibilities after. But when it actually is happening, when we actually have everything we just talked about, that's when I'm excited because that's when I feel happened to the internet. Everything that people talked about in the beginning had to happen. And then internet became something. And yeah, uh, I've mentioned this before. I feel yeah. the internet was made to make blockchain possible. I feel this is basically the first proper use case for the internet, like globally, uh, because the internet now, yeah, we can talk to each other, but unless you're owning the infrastructure or you're a really big player, then you're the one getting all the benefits. Like people think, Oh, Facebook is great for us. It's the worst thing in the world. It's, it's basically <laughs> you're the product. It's not a value to you. It's a value to, to someone else, you know? Um, but with blockchain, you can actually make sure that it's a value to you and that you own all the information that you want to own and that you need to own on the site and that it's no one else's power over you. And that's and that's awesome. You talked about, um, before we went on air, you talked about um, the internet seemed to have been created by email and that was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We can, we, can, we can now communicate like that. And now people are like, what? That's People don't even realize that even... DM you- me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, and they want something different. Just to, to, as we kind of, I suppose, we come towards a, a close, I mentioned there yeah. about Enterex, and I know that Enterex is something that is um, is, is, is exciting because it's not just about, um, it's about other people, isn't it, as well, and about being able yeah. to then develop their own stuff. I wondered if you could just give us a bit of an insight into that. Of course. Like uh, the gist of it is it the, the way we're building our technology is based on micro applications and uh, a really scalable way of making new verticals. So once we have all the features that we need to sustain any type of platform, and it, that's why we're strategically building in the order we're building it, we can basically reproduce this for another company in a matter of days with little to no cost. So let's say... Uh, a car company wants to start to sell their cars and they want a marketplace. We can do everything for them. We can integrate, they can, yeah, uh, get their own admin panel, everything. And the only thing we require is that you use the, our token for the transactions on the marketplace. Uh, and yeah, that is so people can get the value from making NFTs, making ownable uh, items, making ownable. Um, yeah, uh, contracts, we're wanting to get into property, uh, renting movies, like stuff like that. You can get into the business without having to build your own uh, smart contracts or without having to build your own uh, technology because n- not everyone is supposed to build technology, uh, but a lot of people have good ideas that can, with technology, uh, add re- a lot of value. 
So that's our goal with Antrex. And it's so fun because I, I had to talk with uh, with uh, a company that started a lot earlier than us that's also into NFTs. And we had a meeting. Um, I'm not going to put them out there, but we had a meeting. And, and their plan was basically to do uh, a bit of what we are now doing alone uh, in around six months. And they have gotten a lot of support, like a lot. And the way that I was pitched it, because they they thought that we would be interested in their services, is we're going to build this and we're going to split the fees. And I was like, but isn't that the whole point here? To not, why, we need to give these tools to the people. That's what the internet was. You gave tools to people all around the world. And it was, yeah, as long as you have the internet connection, it's free to use. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah. I, the point of that was that I feel because we're so little focused on making stuff ourselves, the EnterX is going to be uh, a community platform where you, the people, uh, the ones that want to contribute can actually get get value without giving away anything. Um, and I think that's going to be powerful for for content creators and by content creators, I mean everyone, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess just just going back to the, to business. How do you, how are you viewing uh, competitors? Because we we're seeing, like you say, we're seeing some of the the big players in this field starting to create their own NFT marketplaces. Binance just uh, launched theirs a couple of weeks ago. Um, how, how what's your relationship like with with competition there? I love competition. It it really uh, yeah it. Uh... It gives me a lot of energy and like, I don't know what other people have behind the scenes. Uh, I know what some projects have behind the scenes because I've been uh, having video chats with some and they're trying to, yeah, I think they're trying to figure out like what we have behind the scenes, but so far we're so far ahead of everyone that it's not. Yeah. It's, it's what we communicate outwards is like our idea of progression but what we're trying to build, I have not yet seen anyone. Like the first meeting I had was with this other company that's like has the same idea, but they're gonna charge money for it. So yeah, we're gonna have competition in the probably the corporate or the the heavily uh, heavily commercialized areas in the beginning. But when people can get equal or better functionality without someone charging for it well i've run a business uh, a lot of years and i know that's an easy choice if the features are better or the same and the value is better or the same and the cost is less then that's what you choose and since the other platforms haven't built their own token and economical system they need to take uh fees to have a business um so that's that's what I feel. But I also know that at any point, anything can change. Uh, but our our team is able to bridge to any uh, project or any crypto uh, blockchain based on the Solidity language. And we have some partnerships we've not talked about that basically makes us pretty ready for if something or someone were to come out of the blue with something, we we can scale that very fast and, uh, and catch up. Uh, and I don't know any other project that has that development team 
uh, capability that we have. Yeah. Like all this, they're coming up with their ideas maybe last year and they're building their team and getting the best developers in the world without like not they they, they all have jobs. <laughs> so uh, having the back end being built the last eight years, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty unique. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great mindset to have. I've been reading a lot. Uh, well, I've been reading a, a book by Simon Sinek called the infinite game. And it, it, it's exactly the the kind of attitude that that he says that the su- successful businesses have. That it's not about the finite games. It's not about the it's not about those sh- short term wins. But it's it's having the eye on that that infinite game that you're building something that's going to last. That's gonna that's gonna outlive you. It's not it's yeah, not something that you. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I love the mindset there. I really do. Uh, before we do end, uh, so what I, I know you you just recently, I think a week ago. Uh, published a roadmap for enter that leads into the fourth quarter of this year uh yeah. so what what you guys working hard on at the moment what 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 can we expect next from the platform uh well uh, tying it back to how we the back end is built uh we we're just building the features we need for the enter audio platform now uh because everything else is ready we have the design ready we have the flows ready we have we just need the to build our own take on the uh, a web player and uh, our own take on how to upload uh, albums and singles and organizing stuff because no one has that yet. Like you know, it will be the first time you can actually as an artist upload your album in this way and create your story in this way and sell it without ever having help from anyone. Um, and once we have those features, it's redefining what features we need for enter gaming and once we have those features i think we have all the features we need to release the rest of the platform so then it's just like marketing and just making sure we we have users for all the platforms it's exciting so for for when we're seeing this code yeah so excited! Well, that, that's a small, that's a small thing. Like that's the platform. Uh, we're doing DeFi. We're doing staking. We're we're doing so many cool things that's not even on the. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like three different projects. But we uh, we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Once we, we get just... actually into education, then I'll come back if you want me. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, in terms of um, like somebody wants to get involved. Um, whatever level whether they're an artist or they want to invest what's the what's the best way to do that um i know we can follow you on on socials and whatever else but how, how could somebody get involved with this we have our our site enter.help which is our like support system where you can get some information about nfts about enter about our token and uh, there you can also submit requests uh, or and we have our site enter.art which is our marketplace and there you can connect and you can sign up to become a creator. Uh, but we also like the best uh, the best way to get in touch with the community because the company is a small part of it, but the community is like the big thing. And that is at discord.gg slash enter. Um, it's very simple and I'm very happy Discord gave it to us. So uh, <laughs> if you go to discord.gg slash enter, you'll get into our Discord server. And there you have, we're about 20... 21,500 people now, I think. Yeah, 21,511 members in the server. And uh, most of them have been there for the past two, three months uh, talking to each other and uh, 
getting to know about the project. So if you want to get in touch, that's a good way. Awesome. That's Sounds great. good. Yeah, I think uh, let's keep the conversation going. Um, while you guys are working away, let's keep the wheel keep thinking the education side and let's keep, let's keep talking yeah. about this. Maybe the next podcast will come visit you in Oslo. That would we'll, be uh, awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be cool. Actually. We should do that. Yeah, definitely. We like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lique, uh, Thank amazing. You so to have you for on. Me. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and spending all this time with us. I love it. Happy. Thank you. It's fun to talk about something that, like, all the questions I get just being in our Discord and stuff is very tied to the platform. And I think that's fun too. But I think blockchain is so much more than any single platform. It's a way of thinking. Yeah. You're owning your own life. Powerful. (laughs) (laughs) And you've definitely given us and our listeners an insight into that thought process as well. Um, and got us excited about the future, which is which is kind of our aim. So thank you very much, and have a Bullish. lovely evening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm loving the LED lights around it as well, just to give <laughs> like it that extra emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a good night. Take, Take care. care. Bye bye.